So we'll uh, start reading in verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 3. Verse 1 says, And he shewed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. And not this a, is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Amen. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, yes. and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch, for behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And in that, in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall you call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. And that wraps up that chapter tonight. I don't know that we'll preach the entire chapter, uh, but uh, if you go back to verse 1, in Zechariah chapter 3, it says, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing in his right hand to resist him. So in this vision that the, the man of God that Zechariah is having, the prophet of God, this vision that God himself has given him, he sees Joshua, the high priest. Now this isn't something uh, that, that would have uh, uh, been this vision of aforetime or many years before Joshua, the high priest, was the high priest, the actual high priest, while Zechariah uh, was having this vision. Joshua was the actual high priest uh, in the house of the Lord to the service of God. And it says, he showed, he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. So uh, just, just as in uh, the present time, uh, in the present time, just as in these times that the, that the prophet Zechariah was writing this, both Satan stands to accuse the brethren both night and day right. according to yeah. the book of Revelation. It hasn't changed one bit. It hasn't changed right. any over the years. Satan constantly stands yeah. to accuse the brethren. He stood next to Joshua here, next to the high priest of God to accuse him. Now did Joshua have anything to be accused of? Yes he did. But folks I want you to keep in mind that Joshua had no blacker sin, no more evil sin, no more yeah. filthy sin than you or I ever one had in our lives for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Joshua may have been the high priest. He may have been the head 
over the service of God in the temple, over the things of God, over the, yeah. over the ordinances of God, and all of these things, but his sin was no nastier, no filthier, no darker, and no blacker than my sin or your sin was. Either one so that with that in mind, we need to keep it. We need to keep it in mind that Joshua's sin and your sin are equal on the plane with God. I praise God. It doesn't matter if you're a prince or when you're a pauper, that the ground is level at the foot of the cat. It doesn't matter how much money we have, how much prestige we have, how much authority we have. None of these things matter to God. The only thing that matters is the blood of Jesus Christ on the heart of those that believe. That's what matters as far as having a relationship with Almighty God. standing before the angel of the Lord. This angel of the Lord, this would be God. This would be Jesus Christ. He would have been standing before. How do we know that? Folks, he was standing there in judgment. No angel has any authority to judge. Jesus Christ says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is Jesus Christ. Only he can judge. And I praise God that that's the case. The problem is we have a society full of people to say only God can judge me and that's the problem they forget that one day he will do that he will judge them he will judge them according to their works according to the scriptures some works will be burned up as hay and stubble others will be counted as to righteousness but God will judge he will only judge his people everybody will stand at the judgment seat of Christ Paul said, for we all must stand at the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne judgments are completely different things, but we all must stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Joshua, with the high priest here, he is standing before God. He is standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing in his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand? out of the fire. So he sent. So the Lord stands before Satan himself. Hey folks, you and I, we have no power against Satan. We have no authority over Satan. Only Jesus Christ has that kind of authority. And without Christ in our life, we can rebuke. We can't do anything against Satan. Satan is more powerful than you or I or anyone else that has ever lived on this planet other than Jesus Christ. He says, the Lord rebukes thee. The Lord rebukes thee. But he tells him why. He says, is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? He looks over. He looks over at Joshua, the high priest. Now listen, folks, Joshua had some charges against him. The entire priesthood had some charges against them. The entire nation of Israel had some charges against them. But it began at the priesthood. It began with the pollution of God's altars. It began with them offering blameless sacrifices unto God. Don't take my word for it. You read in the book of Malachi what the priesthood had 
become. That is the very service of the priesthood has become an annoyance to the priests of God. It has become a hindrance. It has become something that was mundane and something that they didn't even want to do. So yes, Joshua had some wrongful charges against him. God says, this is one of mine. This is one of mine. He says, I chose Jerusalem. I chose Jerusalem. I chose this priesthood. I named this priesthood out of the tribe of Levi. Way over in the book of Genesis. I chose this line of people to my service. Who are you, Satan, to come in here and accuse my chosen and my elect? Those that I have chosen before the foundation of the world. Those that I will send my son in the future to die for their sins. Who are you to do this thing? Hallelujah. Yes. He says, uh, he's chosen Jerusalem. He says, he rebukes him. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Folks, you and I are in the same boat. We are brands. If you're saved, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, believing in the works and the life and the ministry and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the soon coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you have that kind of belief about you and you are born again, you are indeed a brand that has been plucked out of the fire. You were saved from the flames of hell. You were saved from the wrath of God. You are a brand that out the fire and I'm Lord to God to tell you that a brand that God has plucked out of the fire. Satan has no right, he has no claim, he has no authority, nor any ability to throw that brand back in. God's got his claim on you. God's got his claim on your life. He's got his claim on your soul. And Satan cannot do anything about that. Satan cannot do anything about that. Praise God. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. This is indicative of the sin, not only in Joshua's life. Who was Joshua? Joshua was the high priest of the nation Israel. It was indicative of the sin not only in his life, but in the life of all the nation. He was a representative of the nation Israel under God on the Day of Atonement. Only the high priest could go back into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could offer up the blood. Only the high priest could go into the presence of the Creator of the universe on that day. Therefore, these filthy garments symbolize the sin of Joshua and the sin of an entire nation. The boast and repentance of that, God's choosing of Jerusalem and God's choosing of Israel, the very apple of his eye in that, in the forgiveness, in the washing away, in the release of all the sins of Joshua, God was saying, this is my chosen people. This is who will serve me. Ah, and cleansing them of their sin as well. Oh, he's done it for the entire church. He's done it for the entire realm of believers. He's done it for us all. If you have been born again, you are washed in the same blood. And you're forgiven by the same God as I am. It ain't a different way for one as it is for others. It's all through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only through the blood of 
Jesus Christ. It's not the blood and the plus something else. It's not the blood and minus something else. It is the blood and the blood alone of Jesus Christ that brings salvation unto man. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Amen. Oh, Brian said this morning. I'm glad it's like that because if I was depending on me and my works, I'd be in trouble. Why in the world people want to live under the law? I have no idea. Why in the world they want to depend on their ability or rather their inability to keep the law? I have no idea, especially when Paul wrote to the Roman church that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He is the end of the law as far as righteousness goes. He's the end of the law and the salvation. Jesus Christ did that so that you and I could be set free from these ordinances that no one but he was able to keep. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. He answered and spake unto those that stood before. So you take away the filthy garments. Now who's who's speaking here? This is the angel of the Lord. This would be Christ. This would be the king of the universe. The angel of the Lord saying these things. He answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. I will cause thine iniquity to pass from thee. Folks, there ain't no angel, no created angel, not Gabriel, not Michael, or any other angel has that kind of authority. It had to have been Jesus that he was speaking to. He is the only one with that kind of authority to say, I am going to get rid of your sins. I will cause your trespasses to go away. I will cleanse you from your iniquities. Folks, no angels can do that. Only Christ can do that. He says, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. And I said, Who's speaking here? It had to have been Zechariah in this vision. It says, And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. While all this was going on, while Zechariah said, let them put a fair mitre upon his head, and, the, and the, the other angels, the other hosts that were standing by, those other servants under God, fellow servants to you and I, they, as they were changing their clothes, and they were setting the mire, the Lord Jesus Christ was standing by, and he was observing everything that was going on, but something else in this verse that I think of when I read it, it says, it says that Zechariah said, and I said, let them set a fair matter upon his head. Hey, in this vision, Zechariah was seeing everything that was going on, and he heard everything that was going on. He knew what was going on in this bar of God, in this judgment bar, and he heard that the iniquities and the sins had been forgiven. He still prayed for Joshua, the high priest, even though he saw what yes. was going on. He saw yes, the forgiveness of sin. He said, let them lay a fair upon his head. He still had his thoughts on the one man of God that was there. Amen. Folks, we need to have that same mindset. Yes. When we see somebody, we see somebody that God's working on. Yes. And we've all seen that. We've seen people under conviction of God. Yes. We've seen people being blessed of God, yes. such as Joshua the high priest here. 
We've seen all of these things taking place. Those people need prayer. Those people need prayer. When it's conviction, yes, they need prayer. But folks, when God is blessing someone, you continue to pray for those people. You continue to pray. Hey, why is that, folks? Sometimes we can let the blessing get in, get in front of the one who gave the blessing. Sometimes we can let that which is given get in front of the one that is the giver. Those, those people need prayer. You and I need prayer. Every time a blessing of God comes in our life, yes, we should give them praise. Yes, we should give them glory. And yes, we should thank God before the congregation and anyone else that will hear it. But we still need prayer. Amen. Prayer will never be. Blessings, or whether it be conviction in our lives. Yeah. Zechariah showed me that the man had some discernment about it. Yeah. And I said, let them set a fair matter upon his head. So they set a fair matter upon his head and clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord. Stood by, folks, this talks about how disgusting, how disgusting the priesthood had become. God gives strict orders in the book of Exodus about how the priests are to dress, about what their robes should look like, what their turbans and their mitres should look like, what, what every bit of apparel that the priests wore. God gives strict instructions to what it should look like. And here was Joshua in filthy garments, as the scripture says, so filthy that God didn't want him anywhere near his child. He said, I'm going to take this off of him. I'm going to put on what he's supposed to have upon him. I'm going to put on him the robe of the priesthood. I'm going to put on, put on him the robe of the high priest. Zechariah says, put on him, put on his head a fair mitre. said, I will place that mitre upon his head. Why is that? Because, uh, because Joshua was being restored to the office that he was originally meant to be in. Joshua was going to be the high priest once again he was going to serve God just as he was supposed to once again and he was going to lead the people of Israel in worshiping the one and true and living God just as God had called him to and God said if you're going to do this you'll look like you're supposed to you'll act like you're supposed to and you will do what you're supposed to do if you're going to be my man and God dressed him accordingly he dressed him the, the way that God prescribed. The angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, and thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. My goodness, what a promise. That's being made unto Joshua the high priest. What a promise to folks. This is a conditional promise. It's a conditional promise that God is making to him. It says, Thus saith the Lord, If, if, if thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge. This is personal, or this is, uh, this is a promise. It's conditional, and it's on two levels. It's on the personal level, and it's on the level of service of God. If you'll walk in my ways, 
That's personal. That goes for everybody. That ain't just for the priests. That's for everybody. And he says, and you'll keep my charge. And I understand that goes for everybody. But he was speaking specifically about the charge to the priests, what they're supposed to do. Hey, folks, when the people came into the tabernacle and when they came into the temple in later years and they brought their sacrifices to the priests, the priests were to take those sacrifices. And when they walked into the temple, there to their right was the brazen altar. There was a sacrifice made there. Folks, that's one of the reasons Praise God, that's just on a side note. That's one of the reasons that I, I promote the use of the altar in prayer. I know it's not a have to. I know it's not a must. But folks, that's where the killing was done. That's where the blood was shed. That's where the, the, the beginning of the service of God took place for the priests when they went in. And folks, according to the scriptures, we are all kings and priests. Those of us which are in Christ Jesus, we are all kings and priests. You're your own priest. I'm my own priest. We have a high priest that is seated in the heavens at the right hand of glory and the right hand of the Father. He has made the only sacrifice that matters, the only sacrifice that is acceptable. Amen. But I strongly encourage altar prayer. Not because it's a have to, because that's where the killing was done. What does the Bible say, Romans 12? Offer ourselves a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. To be a living sacrifice. That's just on a side note. Amen. I said the Lord of if thou will walk in my ways and if thou will keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. He's making a promise unto Joshua here. If, if you do these things, if you do these things. Now, he says, you'll, uh, he said, you'll also judge my house and also keep my course. Folks, it wasn't the priest's job to be judge. It was their job to do the service of God. It wasn't their job to judge. It was their job to offer the sacrifices. It was their job to, uh, to, to kill the animals. It was their job to go into the labor and to wash themselves, to wash their feet. It was their job to go back and offer up the incense unto God, which was symbolic of the prayers of the saints. It was their job to go before God on, on behalf of their fellow men, but it was not their job to judge. But here is God telling, uh, telling Joshua, telling Joshua himself, that shall also judge my house and shall also keep my, and shall also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. This is looking forward. This is looking forward to one that would stand as judge. To one that would stand as king. This was the job of a judge and a king, what we're talking about here. And it was looking forward to Jesus Christ, the very next branch, or the very next verse, brings that up. And uh, speaking of the branch, he says, uh, hear, hear ye now, O Joshua, the, uh, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Folks, that, the verse preceding this, this was a conditional promise given unto Joshua, saying that if you go forth and you do do these things and you keep my charge and you do exactly as I say then you'll be able to do these things but the very next verse is an unconditional promise hey it didn't matter if Joshua kept the ordinances or not it didn't matter if Joshua kept the charges of God or not God had already purposed in his heart and purposed in his mind that this branch was coming one day after a while he had already made it clear through the prophet Isaiah he had made it clear in the Psalms he had made it clear from Genesis all the way 
way through the Malachi oh. that there was a branch coming, Amen. there was a Messiah coming, there was a Savior that was coming, and there was Praise nothing God. anyone in the world could do about it. We got a conditional promise. Thank you, Lord. Boy, I like that unconditional promise. Amen. I like it. He says, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Hallelujah. I don't read nothing in there about Joshua. If you do this, then I'll send Messiah. I'll send your Savior. I'll send one to rescue Israel. I'll send one to be a blessing unto the nations. I'll send one that will give his very life. If you do these things, Joshua, I don't read that in this verse. This is a promise God made unconditionally. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the, the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Amen. He said, I, uh, for behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. There's different interpretations as to what this stone with seven eyes means. Uh, folks, I, I'm not positive. I wasn't there when it was written. And you know what? I don't think Zechariah knew for 100% sure what exactly that the Lord was talking about when, when these words were uh, breathed to him by the Holy Spirit of God. But I do, I can tell you though, in the book of Jeremiah chapters 39 and chapter 40, I can tell you that the, uh, the eyes being upon someone that was a symbol of protection. It was a symbol that God was going to be with them. He was going to sit, watch over them. He was going to see them through. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land Amen. in one day. I will remove the iniquity of what land, folks? In context, and what this is speaking of, he's talking about the land of Israel. He's speaking about his chosen people, the apple of his eye. He's going yes. to remove their iniquity yes, in one not. day. Folks, that day has yet to come to pass. That day has not been fulfilled as far as this goes but one day it's going to happen Amen. one day God is going to come down God is going to come he is going to deal with his people right now he's still dealing with the Gentile church right now we are still in the New Testament church age which is comprised mostly of Gentiles but one day God is going to give his people the Jews, Israel their opportunity to accept the same Christ that they rejected in the same book, in the same book that we're reading out of Zechariah, I believe it's Zechariah 13, maybe 12, it says that they shall look on him whom they have pierced. They'll look at the holes in his hand. They'll look at the hole in his side. Say, where have you received these marks? And he'll say, I received them in the house of my friend. I received them in the house of my friends. Now, folks, that's, that's all for the Jews there. That is all for the Jews. But, in context, this is all for Jews. But one day, in one day, God will remove every bit of sin from your life and from mine. Folks, there can be no sin up there. There can be no sin where we are headed. And thank God for that. If it wasn't for sin, there'd be no sickness. If it wasn't for sin, there wouldn't be blindness, there wouldn't be deafness, there wouldn't be handicaps, there wouldn't be any of that. 
We talk about that all the time. When I go to heaven, I'm going to run. When I when I get up yonder, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Things that I've been able to do in years or decades, whatever the case may be, you'll be able to do those things one day because there is no sin there. No sin can enter into those gates. There can be no sin. The same reason that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God because our flesh is corrupt. It is cursed by God. It was cursed back in the garden and it's cursed to this very day. This flesh and this blood that we wear right now, it cannot and will not enter into glory. But one day, God, in one day, He is going to re remove every bit of sin, every bit of iniquity, every bit of doubt, every bit of worry, every bit of stress, everything in our lives. God will remove that, that we can worship Him and we can praise Him with pure worship and pure praise. Hallelujah. We can't do that right now. I don't care how hard we try. Why? Because of this sinful flesh that we wear. Because of what we wear around here. We can't worship God perfectly. We might feel like we do sometimes, but we don't. That's right. And we can't while we are in this flesh. But one day we will get to do that. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall you call out every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. In that day, shall you call every man his neighbor. And every man's going to have plenty. Every man's going to be able to meet under the vine. Or under the fig tree. He'll be able to eat to his heart's content. He'll be able to do to his heart's content. Now listen, again, you keep in mind we're talking about Israel. In context, we're talking about Israel here. But folks, one of these days, one of these days, there won't be no limit as to what we can do as far as praising God. As far as giving him thanks. As far as going home to that shore one day, one day after a while, we will have more than we could possibly ever need uh, according to God's riches and glory. We will have we will have all the food we need. We will have all the comfort we need. We will have, have all the companionship that we need. We will have all these things. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but even though I'm married and I love my wife to pieces, sometimes here in this walk, there's times in my life I still feel lonely. And if you tell me you don't, you're a liar. I'm talking about on the human plane. I know yeah. we've got Jesus, and I thank God for yeah. that. We can go to Jesus anytime we can. But yeah. even, even though the, what drives us to Jesus, loneliness drives us to Jesus. Hunger drives us to Jesus. Yeah. I'm talking about spiritual hunger. Hey, the Bible says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, yeah. for they shall be filled. Yeah. What is righteousness? Righteousness is Jesus Christ. Yeah. He is our righteousness. And if we're hungry and we're thirsting, thirsting after righteousness, we're hungry and we're thirsting after Jesus as if we can't get enough of it. We're like the psalmist said, as far as the deer that panteth after the water. Hey folks, I pant after Jesus Christ Amen. all my life. Yeah. I can't get filled enough with him. I can't feel him enough. I can't get enough Lord of his word. I can't get enough of the Holy Spirit. I can't get enough of my God. But one of these days, I will have enough when I am with him in his very presence, in his glory, sharing in that glory with each and every one of you yeah. that are redeemed with me. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it's going to happen in that day. Yeah. In that day. Here we're always going to have hindrances. Folks, Joshua, the priest that we've been talking about tonight, he had hindrances. You're reading Ezra 5. 
Ezra chapter 5. And Joshua, the son of Joseph, Zerubbabel, they offered up the sacrifice. Folks, these, these were the children of the captivity. They were never returning home to a land that God had promised them. And if you think that little strip of land that they got over there right now is the promised land, you're wrong. You take the dimensions that Scripture gives of the promised land, they'll have an area a little bit bigger than the size of Texas. That's a big old area. That's not what they have right now. That's not what they've ever had. <coughs> but they're returning home little by little. But these were the children of the captivity, taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. You read through the book of Ezekiel. You read through the book of Daniel. And you'll read nothing about a sacrifice being made unto God. You'll read about nothing about bloodshed, folks. And it's all, if you want communion with God and you want fellowship with God, it has always been through the blood. God made that very clear in the book of Leviticus. He made it very clear that sacrifice had to be made and some blood had to be shed in order to have communion with him. That wasn't just for the priest and that wasn't just for the high priest. It wasn't just for the Levitical priesthood. It was for every human being Blood had to be shed. And for 70 years, these Israelites had not shed one drop of blood. Ezra. In the book of Ezra, we have Joshua, the high priest. Ezra chapter 5, offering up the sacrifice. Probably, probably, the first one in 70 years' time. What happened? What happened that he would stand before God in this shape, in this vision that Zechariah had? What happened to him? Because just four chapters later in Ezra chapter 9, you see the princes. You see them come. And they say, the Levites and the priests, they've, they've gone against God. They've trespassed against God. They've taken, they've taken wives of the surrounding nations. They've done these things that God strictly forbid. Who was the priest? Who was the Levites? That was Joshua. And that was his brethren. That was the Levites. What happened from chapter 5 to chapter 9 of Ezra? What happened? Temptation happened. What happened? Sin happened. What happened? Desire happened. And lust happened. You keep desiring after the things of God. And you will not have room for the lust of the flesh. Amen. That's what happened. That's what happened. And it only took four chapters for that to happen. Four chapters. Ain't no different... And over in the book of Genesis, let's go back even further than Ezra. Over in the book of Genesis, Genesis 6, we have God telling Noah, I'm going to send a flood. He said, I, even I will send the flood. I'm going to kill everything in existence. I'm going to kill all the animals. I'm going to kill all the people. Noah, you built this ark. You make it just how I say. You make it out of what I say too. You do all these things. And Noah and his family, out of everybody that was on planet Earth at that time, eight people were saved. You see them in Genesis chapter 8. They are all saved by the grace of God. Amen. Noah didn't do anything to deserve that. Amen. Go back to what we're reading tonight in Zechariah. I don't read anything in those scriptures. Where Zechariah done anything to deserve the favor, where Joshua done anything to deserve the favor of God. Nothing. God just said, Have I not chosen Jerusalem? Have I not chosen these Man. to be my servants? Have I not done this? Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Genesis 8, we see Noah and his family coming off the boat. Genesis 9. I'm sorry, Genesis 9, we see him coming off the ark. 
Genesis 11, two chapters later, the entire world has fallen into idolatry. Two chapters, the entire world has fallen into idolatry. I know there was a lot of generations that took place in those two chapters. I understand that. But only two chapters of scripture later, and they're building the Tower of Babel. And God says, let us go down. Let us see what they're up to. And God had to come. And he had to come down the languages. And he had to disperse the people. everybody that was on planet earth two chapters later had fallen into idolatry don't you be careful if you're a priest and this bible says that you are if you're a born again child of god if you're a priest what kind of shape is your garments in what kind of shape is my garments in are they filthy are they clean are they what we're supposed to be wearing do we only put it on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings and Wednesday nights and for revival meetings and for Saturday night singings and then we take it off when we go back home and we put back home the filth of the world. We put back home what we what we truly want. Hey folks, if that's the life you're living, you are not a born again child of God. If you are doing that and you have no conviction in your life, there is no way that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. Amen. I'll be checking up. Amen. I'll be checking up. What kind of shoes are there? That day, said the Lord of hosts, shall you shall you call every man his neighbor and the vine under the fig tree. It ain't happened yet. It ain't happened for Israel yet. It ain't happened for us quite yet. But it will one of these days. It will one of these days. God bless y'all.